Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. A special guest in the house again today. Come on. We got Pastor Joel all the way from Red Deer. That's a, that's a place if you didn't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll give you this. Oh, that one's on. Great. And um, Pastor Joel is fantastic. He's like family. If this is your first time at Life Church, we've been having a lot of guests, uh, speakers here in church, and we just love it. Um, I know Joel looks older than what he is, but he's very close in age to me, actually. Um, uh, he's a man of God, carries a lot of wisdom, and he has a massive call on his life. Has a beautiful family, and we are so honored to know you guys. And just have you speak into our lives. And it's been amazing to get to know you guys over the past couple of years. And we are stoked to hear what God is going to say through you today. We love you so much. Church, can we extend our hands to Pastor Joel and we're just going to pray. God, we thank you for your child here that you're using today. We thank you for your word that it will come alive in all of us today. We know that you have a, a message and an appointment for each of us. We just thank you so much. I pray that you would continue to pour out your blessing on Joel's family, that you would keep them safe, and that you, you will pour out vision on them, Lord. We are so thankful for the impact that they have in Red Deer because, Lord, this world needs you, even in Red Deer. We all need you, Jesus. So um, keep moving in them. We love you so much, and we pray in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. And I wanted to greet him with a holy kiss after that. That was really... <laughs> That was special. But uh, Pastor Bish, Pastor Haley, that's a, it's, the feeling is mutual. We love you guys. Deep respect for who you guys are, what you're doing, and the role that you are now taking in. You guys stepped into something, man, and I'm excited to be with you all. Worship team, phenomenal. I always love going here, man. It's just so beautiful. And not only that, too, but your greeters. Anybody ever been to a place where before and it's like the greeter's like, hey, just find out what you got to do and go do your thing. They actually said hi to me, and they greeted, and I got a smile. Greeters, you're amazing. Thank you for who you are today. You know, I remember reading a stat that you have 13 seconds before somebody decides if they're going to come back into that. So we call it our first hello, man. We are upbeat and friendly. You act as if it's somebody's first time, and you better be happy, better smile. I don't care if they, they get, you ask for a double W, they give you a triple triple. You be happy when you're at the front door. So I tell you, it is just wonderful to be in a church that is alive and that you can actually taste and see that the Lord is good. And so uh, this morning, I am so privileged and honored to be here again. Uh, and I'm excited for this morning. Uh, I'm sure you are too. Anytime we come together. You know, every service, there's a purpose and a plan behind every time we get together. And so this, this morning, uh, just taking some time really just to get before the Lord on behalf of uh, this church family, and I want to just submit some things to you that were just laid on my heart, and Pastor Bish can correct me afterwards, or during the service, if you're like, hey, that's off, man, just get rid of it. Uh, that's totally fine, but I want to submit some things to you that were really on my heart uh, about the season that you've entered in, and how many know it's good to, you know, understand the natural season that we're going, Pastor Bish made reference to fall, and as we're getting into this next season, our wardrobes change, do they not? Come on, right? All of a sudden, it's pumpkin spice latte is like here, and like we're excited about that, some of us. Some of us have no idea what a pumpkin spice latte is. 
But it's, so we understand the seasons are, everything starts to change, right? And I know now in a spiritual sense, that's also key too. So it's crucial that we understand the spiritual season that we're walking in as well. And because of the pivot that took place earlier this year for you as a church family, specifically for uh, the new, the pastors and the leadership team, it was a, it was a shift that took place. I want to just take some time just to share with you um, almost a heads up that comes along with a change in season. And one of the things that just came to me that uh, Life Church, you have entered a season where the Lord is looking to download specific game plans for what it's going to look like in the near future. And you know, anytime you've, anybody real computer nerds around here, any, do we got any computer folk? Oh, come on, too. Oh, that's a card. Maybe. But what, in order, if you get some new program or software, you have to download it first onto the computer in order to use it, correct? Well, the same thing is true also in the spiritual realm, that it has to ha- the Lord wants to do things first inside of you before you see it manifested on outside. So everything God does is from the inside out. So much of the time we're looking for something on the outside of change or we're looking for change to take place, and that's all wonderful and good, but it doesn't begin just on the outside first. It takes place on the inside So what I sense is really a time that we're going to be getting into is some inside stuff that needs to get addressed, get sorted, so that we're able to see the vision and the fullness of what God wants to do in and through this local church that is supposed to bless and make an impact in this greater, you know, the lower mainland area. It's powerful. So, you know, one of the things that I found out just with the Lord, that there are some things that we receive because we trust God. Then there's other things that we receive because God trusts us. And it's really cool to be in a place where the Lord says, hey, I trust you. Here's vision. Here's direction. Here's a vision. I mean, when you get pastors that have vision, that's powerful. You want to be around that, do you not? Come on. You want that, do you not? You, aren't you thankful for your pastors that have vision for this area? Come on. Can I get a little bit more? Uh-huh. I mean, anybody want to go to a dead church? Come on. And so what do you want? You want an alive church. And part of that is having a vision. So what we're going to take some time, and you know, a great part of what this vision is, as you know, is to open the way for others to experience not another religion, but a reality of who Jesus Christ is and a personal relationship with him. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to just lay a quick foundation. So I know first service, you must be the best here because you're not held hostage. Second service, I can go as long as I want because, hey, where are you going after this? Yeah. All right. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, again, some familiar verses. I'm going to got a different, you know, paraphrase to translations that I'm going to use. But in this one here, it says, now, if anyone is in, I'm going to read it. It's a little bit too far away. Is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Anybody thankful for that? All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, or look, everything is fresh and new. What's that saying? God has to reintroduce yourself to who you really are in him. Verse 18. And God has made all things. Say all things. All things new. And he has reconciled us to himself. And now notice these words. And he has given us. Say he's given me. What has he given you? A ministry of reconciling others to God. He didn't give that to angels. He gave that to you. Your ministry, my ministry, is to reconcile people to a living relationship with Jesus. And I know you know this, but I'm just reaffirming it. Verse 20, he goes on to say, or 19, 
In other words, it was through the anointed one, Jesus, that God was shepherding the world. And notice what he wasn't doing. He wasn't even keeping record of their transgressions. And notice this again. He has entrusted to you and I the ministry. What is ministry? Serving. He's given us the ministry of opening the door to God. So what are you? We are door openers. We aren't bouncers. We're door openers. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've seen, I've been a, you know, a lot of different you know, countries and cities. And sometimes you see those people on the corners that say, turn or burn. Turn or burn. Turn or burn. Turn or burn. And there's truth in that. But man, you aren't attracting anybody. I look at you and I go, you're annoying. I remember I was in New York one time and this lady... She was, she hadn't, she was passing out these cards. I like, got oh, making eye contact. She was just flinging out cards like this. And it actually said on the card, God loves you. And I went, that's the first lady that I've seen. Like some kind of a religious thing going on where it's not this turn a burn, you're all going to hell and blah, 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 blah. So I ran over to her and said, hey, this is awesome. Thank you so much. God loves you. And she just ran, well, they're all going to hell anyway. I went, oh, you suck. This is of, you are not representing the kingdom at all. You're just doing some religious duty and trying to, oh, yeah, well, I guess I better do this. This is right. No, we're here to open the door. Well, I'm a door opener. We're not bouncers to go, well, I don't know if you're, no, no, no. Jesus spent a, spent a huge price to get people into the kingdom of God. And for some weird reason, weird Christians are actually stopping them going, ah, hold on a sec. Yeah, you got to clean that, 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 that. No, open the door. The same way that I was greeted this morning, beautiful. Open the door, and I could just walk right in to experience a living relationship with Jesus. Verse 20, he goes on to say, We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Do you see our involvement in this? This is huge. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. This is the message that the church is to bring to this lost and dying and confused world. Turn back to God. God makes sense. There's clarity in him. And verse 21, because it says, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Man, I love those verses. So who are we? We are door openers in this. What an honor and a privilege to be a minister for the Lord in this way. So it's not that we just work for God. We're working with him. And the thing that just makes his heart pump is, like, I remember asking the Lord, like, Lord, I want to see your heart. And he actually just said to me, I heard this, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2. And so I read that where you just see that God is so desperate to see the lost come in, to come to understand the knowledge of the truth. So let that be the heart pump. No matter what, how the vision, and I mean, pastors, Bish and Haley, they'll, they'll custom make it. It'll be designed in a beautiful way. But that's the heartbeat behind everything we do is to see people come into a living relationship with Jesus. Amen. And it doesn't just stop there, but also now to, be for, to see Christ being formed in you and I. So it's not just, oh, yeah, I'm born again. I'm in the, in, the, in the family. Great. It doesn't stop there. Now you're in this lifelong journey of changing the way you think so that Christ is actually being formed in you. That's the goal. Correct? Look like Jesus. Now that's another message. 
But now in this, as we continue to go forward in this call, it's crucial that you and I, we actually get a heads up because the devil isn't going to like the season that you're walking into. As vision is being downloaded from heaven, as you're getting more and more clarity, ideas as a church family comes gathered around the vision, the devil isn't going to like it. You remember we have an enemy. And his job is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now we have to be aware, in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, look at this. The Apostle Paul talks and he says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, another uh, translation, the Living Bible says it like this, for we know what he is trying to do. The Message Bible says it like this, we are not oblivious to his sly ways. Church, it's crucial not only when the vision comes, it gets exciting, and as we enter this next season, but it's also that we become aware of the sly and the cunning ways of the enemy because when he sees progress taking place, when he sees people's lives being changed, when he sees Christ being formed, when he sees people that are going aggressively after this next generation, that's something that us in our church as well, I mean, this, we're, 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 we're together in this. But we are going aggressive after this next generation. Why? Because the enemy wants them, but he will not get it. It's time for the church to get some grit back, like this snarl. Don't touch that generation. You're about that with your kids. Don't touch my kids or I'll hit you with a shovel. I don't care. Don't you dare touch my kid. Well, we need to have that same understanding towards this generation. The devil is the author of confusion, and that's what we're living in now, is a season of complete confusion, but God. But God and his church working hand in hand to open the door to people go, I see clarity. Now, we have to understand what he's trying to do. So ultimately, what is the enemy's goal in all this is to derail any forward progress. What's the enemy's tactic? To derail any forward progress. What's his tactic? To derail any forward progress. If he can't shut it down completely, he will try to derail it any way that he can. So what I want to take this morning is just take some time to make sure that we're all on the same page as you go forward under this leadership, as you go forward with the vision as that's taking place, because it is crucial, because what's more important is not just all oh, my feelings or my opinion. Nobody gives a rip about your opinion. What matters is what God says and what he needs accomplished. Well, I think, I think a lot of things, but a lot of it, I have to go, Lord, I submit it to you. That's what lordship means. Lordship means this. Lord, here's my opinion, but if it's not your will, not your plan, I'm submitting it, and I will let that go, and I will take up what you ask me to do. That's what lordship is. Are we still okay? Pastor Bish still loves me. Are we, we still good? We're, we're okay. All right. Now, how does the, how do, again, how does the enemy attempt to derail or slow down progress? Is through disunity. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, the Apostle Paul, or again, I should really say the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, pleads with the church in Ephesus, and he says, with tender humility and quiet patience, always. Can you shout that out with me? Always. When the person next to you is a, being a real bum, what do you do? Always. When the front, maybe the greeter had a bit of an off morning. Always. They hit a wrong note on the key. Always. Demonstrate gentleness 
and generous love toward one another. Now here's the kicker. Nobody look around. Especially to those who may try your patience. Nobody look around. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your... <laughs> and then verse 3. Now this is the real key in all this. Be faithful to guard. Remember, standing on guard. It's part of our anthem. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard. Well, how about this? We be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Spirit of God that is among you in bonds of peace. That no matter what, my opinion, my preference, my style, I like this, I like that. Great, wonderful. Do that in your home. But when we come together as a church family, I'm willing to let that go because what's more important than my opinion is the unity guarding the, the sweet Savior, the smell of unity that arises when we come together in a church service like this. Because listen, that's where the Spirit of God wants to move. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's what we're guarding and that's what we're after. Guard, guard, guard. Now, guarding the unity requires effort. I'm glad you're excited about that effort. Guarding unity requires effort on our end, and sometimes it even means letting go of hurts. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, Now you see what all this means, and that this is the message Bible. If you look back to Hebrews chapter 11, you actually hear the heroes of faith. And it says, All those pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. <laughs> Anybody ready to let go of some spiritual flabbiness this morning? The rest of you, are we? Oh, you're all trim and you're just, you, you're perfect. There are some things that we have to let go. Another translation says it like this. We must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Part of guarding the unity is letting go what you may have been hurt by. Did you know that? Now, he actually talks about, if, again, if you read this in other translations, but he actually puts talking about, and also that sin that slows us down, he talks about the wounds that have pierced you and the sin, it actually slows us down. So sometimes we think, well, I'm carrying these wounds. Well, I'm going to just hold on to this grudge. I'm going to just hold on to this because, well, they hurt me and I, I, I don't let go of things. I, I'll never forget that. Can I encourage? It's, it's slowing you down in your race that the Lord has set before you. But then you also become slow or a actually stumbling block in the church family. So it's crucial that we have to just let some of that stuff go. And we're going to just take the last bit of time here to talk about some of those things because it's crucial. There's no such thing as a perfect church. I know you've heard that before, but we have to get our minds on that. Church can be messy. Why? People. People are messy. And that's why, again, the Apostle Paul, the Spirit of God through him, was really laying it out, always demonstrate generous love, always demonstrate it, because people are going to have rough days. People are going through seasons in their personal life. People have things happen to them. And again, they're at all different levels in their relationship with the Lord. So for you and I, just all of a sudden, what's wrong with them? And start holding these grudges. It actually hinders you, them, and the whole family. 
We're still doing okay? All right, so again, we want to take this time. In Luke 17, 1, Jesus gives us a promise. Now, this is not something that you're going to put on your fridge, and you're not going to go, praise the Lord, look at this promise today. But Jesus said this. He said to his disciples, anybody a disciple of Jesus? So he's talking to you and I today, and what does he say? It is impossible. Say that with me two times. It is impossible. One more time. It is impossible that no offense should come. Woo! What a promise. Anybody excited about that? I had about two minutes for running excitement out of that, but we'll save that for later then. But it's impossible that no offense should come. <laughs> the Greek scholar, I was reading a couple of commentaries on this verse, and it simply says this, It is unthinkable that you would allow yourself to dream that you could live this life without an opportunity to become offended. Anybody ever been offended before? Okay. Some of you are like, no, 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 no. Offense will come. It is an absolute promise. Now, the Greek word offense, are you ready? Is the word scandalon, where we get our English word scandal. Okay? Now, a scandalon, some of you may know this already, but now it being a tactic of the enemy to sideline you from your race. Right? Again, we have to be aware. As I go into a new season, as things are going to be changing, you're going to, you're going to experience some changes going on around here, and you're going to go, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I like that. Hold steady. Don't allow the scandal to take you out of your race. This is what scandal on was back in, uh, originally described back in the old, old times. But again, it's a small piece of wood that was used to keep the door of an animal trap propped open. A piece of food was placed inside that trap to lure the animal inside. And when the animal entered that trap and bumped the scandalon, or that small piece of wood, the scandalon would collapse, causing the trap door to slam shut and the animal to be caught inside with no way of escape. So offense is the scandalon. It is the trap that the enemy uses to trap and lock in believers. So again, remember what Corinthians 2.11 says, we have to be understanding of his sly, cunning ways. Because listen, Life Church, you're moving forward. What, what's the other option? Oh, I just don't really like that. I just wish things were just different. Oh. No, you have to go forward. That's the only option for you and I. The church isn't going to retreat. It's going to push forward. And Jesus built his church. So now the choice is yours. I want to move forward. Now with this, another thing just to make mention on this is that to be offended is to literally be in this trap where the enemy replays over and over again to you what was said, what was done. And I mean, just think about it. Anybody ever had this before? I have. I'm raising my hand. I used to be too proud to admit I was actually hurt and offended. It hurt me deeply. Family, those close to you, within the church. Ugh. And you wake up and you try to, how, how could this have done differently? How could have that? Why did they say this? How could this be done? Da, 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 da. You lay the whole thing out and you still can't figure it out. That is the trap and the enemy's using it to torment you. Now, I also want you to see this too from another standpoint. Not only are you stuck in this trap, but now you're going to see from Scripture, I want you to look in this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, is you're actually going to see that when you are in this cage, 
you actually become a little errand boy for the enemy himself. We're talking about church folk, yo. Church people. This is why the trap is so dangerous. Not only is it tormenting for you on the inside, but now you become a vessel or you become a little bellboy for Satan himself. Y'all, are, are we doing okay? You're, 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 you're here. Okay. So look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. It says, The servant of the Lord will not be argumentative. Am I talking to anybody in the house this morning? That's second service. Okay, well, we'll leave that for them. But what are we there? Gentle to all and skilled in helping others see the truth, having great patience towards who? <laughs> the immature. Okay, verse 25. Nobody look around, just keep your eyes on you. He says this, Then with meekness you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you so they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. Now verse 26, This will cause them to rediscover themselves and, notice these words, escape from the snare of Satan who caught them in his trap so that they would carry out whose purpose? His purpose. Listen, we're just instruments. You're either being played by God or the enemy. There's not just, well, I play myself. There's no such thing. There's not a third party in this. You are being controlled either by the enemy or you're being controlled by the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Can we see that? But I want you to see that this trap of offense also, not only does it keep you locked in and you're being tormented by what happened to you, what should have happened to you, why they say this, why didn't they say this, not only is that tormenting, but because of that offense, now you're going to start acting out of that offense and you're actually carrying out the will of darkness. Because what happens when offended people, what, guess who they attract? Offended people. And what do they do? They go to Tim Hortons and they sit there for three hours and they talk about how bad church is, how nasty pastors are, what the leadership is thinking. They must be stupid. And they just keep gathering amongst themselves and they keep chirping and they keep talking. And all of a sudden, guess what? They're playing out tactics of the enemy and not even realizing it. Because my feelings were hurt. This was done. I don't like this change. I don't like this. And meanwhile, the Lord is going forward and you're off, not running your race, and you're off in this line going, I can't understand. I don't see any of this. And you need to go, wake up. You've been in the trap. You allowed some offense in. Stop it. All right. Now, I have to finish this here quickly. Matthew chapter 24. I want you to turn there if you have your Bibles. But now going back to what Jesus said, offense is going to come. Now, there's two categories of offense. There are those that people that have been genuinely hurt. And then there are those who think that they've been hurt. Do you know what I mean by that? Well, I just can't believe my boss. He said, I have to clean up my locker. I'm done by the end of the day. I just don't understand. I'm under persecution. No, it's because you showed up late for the last three months and you don't show up on time. That's not bad persecution. That's you being sleepy. So I'm being treated unfairly. No, you just got, you hit the snooze too many times, right? And then there are those that have genuinely been offended or been, been mistreated. Now, before I go into this, I want to just throw this out there. Do you have the right to be offended? Yes, you do. 
Absolutely. You are a free moral agent. You can live offended for the rest of your life. That is your God-given design is to be a free moral agent. But if you want to walk with God, if you want to fulfill what he's called you to do, then I've made a decision. I live unoffendable. I refuse to be offended because anytime when I know that hurt feelings or things are coming my way, I should recognize my little dinger goes up and go, oh, the enemy's trying to get to me. People said that to me. Ah, the enemy's trying to get in. If you can recognize it, take you out of the equation for a moment and go, huh, why are all these things happening? Ah, I got a spiritual enemy. I wasn't born in a playground. I was born in a war zone. There is a spiritual battle going on, and he wants to get you off track. He wants to remove you from your space. He wants to get you out of your spot in the church and just say, well, I can't believe they did this. I'm out, and I'm going somewhere else. Crazy. I don't like the change. I'm going crazy. So now the spirit of God's not leading you. Circumstances are. And guess who's involved in circumstances? The enemy of your soul. So this is also a warning. Sit tight. Don't just allow. I don't like this change. I don't like what's taking place. Don't let that move you. So Jesus now in Matthew 24, he gives really clear instruction for how it's going to progress in the end days. He gives it very clearly for you. And it's all progression. And you're going to see this in Matthew 24, verse 10. He says, many, say with me, many. Many means in the Greek, it actually just means majority or a vast number of people will be offended. And what's that offense going to do? It's going to lead to betrayal of one another. And then it will lead to hatred. So it's a progression that takes place. First, what happens when someone gets offended? They're hurt, and then walls go up. Right? Now, again, back in these times, we are talking about, you know, actual natural big walls. We're talking about walls in the New Testament. They're talking about walls in your soul. You put up these walls. The Bible calls it strongholds. I want you to turn real quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 through 5, just to see this for a second. He says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments. Other translations say reasonings. Everybody just point to the head for a moment. Reasonings. Where is that? It's up here. Keep pointing to your head. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and every thought. We bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what are strongholds? They are thoughts or reasonings that go against the knowledge of God or thinking that goes contrary to his ways. That's what it is. Okay? Now I'm going to have to fast forward here a little bit. But let me just give a quick example of that. God is love. His nature is love. And what is the, how do you show love? It's by giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now you got hurt. Somebody said something or did something. Oh, what do you do? You put up this self you know, defense mechanism and you put up this wall going, I'm never going to open up again. That's the last time I'm giving of myself. That's the time I'm giving my resources, my time, my energy. I'm not doing that anymore because last time I just got hurt. So now you've created a stronghold and there is a, we call them, sometimes we call them in Christian world, we call them a boundary. And listen, there's good boundaries, 
then there's boundaries that you made up because of your hurt. This filter that you have on because I've been offended, now I put up this ungodly boundary going, I refuse to go and help now and that. I just can't do it. Your mindset goes contrary to what the word of God says, and now you're out of the will of God, out of his ways, and you aren't living a Christ life like. Okay? Now continuing on, look at Matthew chapter 24 again. Verse 11. He says, Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. False prophets. Who are the many that, they, that uh, the false prophets are able to deceive? The offended heart. So Jesus is very clearly laying out here that an offended heart is the root of all deception. Can we see this? It all goes back to this offense. And now what happens? I become open, wide open for deception. And I'll just listen to whosoever, whatsoever they want to say. And I just take that as so. What's wrong with deception? Thinking you're 100% right when you're 100% wrong. Okay? I'm, just, I'm fast forwarding this here a little bit, guys. But if you go to now verse 13, or sorry, verse 12. When you take an offense, you seek to protect yourself. Walls go up, and when push comes to shove, you look to take care of yourself and your interests rather than even considering somebody else's perspective. Then an offended heart becomes a wrong way of thinking, which creates a stronghold. And now this stronghold, this deceptive thinking, leaves you in living what Jesus called lawlessness. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, what is this lawlessness? What does lawlessness mean? It means that I am a law unto myself. So now, how can it be that we as Christians, our thinking is so contrary to what the Word of God says, is because I got offended somewhere down the line. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. It hurt me in a real impacting way. I've built up these walls, and these walls are now strongholds in my thinking where I'm no longer going to what the Word of God says. I am now a law unto myself. This is what I say. This is what I believe. And the reason I'm bringing this up, because sometimes the church looks no different than the world. They think the same. They act the same. They talk the same. Yet on the inside, you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. What's wrong? I got offended. So what I want to just take some time the last little bit that I have here, <clears throat> you may say and ask yourself this question, you don't know what they did to me. Anybody ever heard that say, said before? You don't know what they did to me. Anybody ever said that before? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> My response to that is, you don't know what you did to Jesus. An offended Christian has forgotten what they have done and what they have received from the Lord Jesus himself, complete and total forgiveness of sin. So how do I live this offend, unoffendable life? Is by constantly keeping in my mind what Jesus has done for me, his resurrection, his ascension, everything he did at the cross, he did it on my behalf. Now, I want to just take just a few minutes here. If there's anybody in this place that hey, you got some, there are some things that you were hurt by. I believe the Spirit of God, just those thorns that were put into Jesus' skull, 
he took that so that you didn't have to. And what is, as those things just pierced his soul, they pierced his physical head, but I believe those are the stings, the bites, the venom that the enemy has spoken to you, about you, to your family, your business, anything that concerns you. I believe that the Spirit of God this morning wants to suck that poison right out of you so that you can start going, you know what, that's what was done to me. And rather than what happened to you be your identity, It now becomes a testimony of the goodness of God in your life. You are not who they said you are. They are not what you said you did. That is not who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. You belong in the family. God takes the lonely and He puts them in families. That's who you are. Some of your identity is a little bit messed up here this morning. And this is the biggest thing that the enemy attacks, as we can see globally. The attack of the identity. Who are you? I'm a child of God. Not, well, I'm so-and-so, and, and, you know, this is what was done to me. That's not you. Well, they said this about me. My mama said this. Forget what your mama said. Parents can be wrong. You are who God says that you are, and that's final. So I want to just invite you, just if you would stand up with me, and let's just take a moment, allow the Spirit of God in this room just to minister His healing. Jesus said, I came to restore the brokenhearted. That's what He came to do. Anybody have a broken heart this morning? Something that happened, something that was said or done to you. This is where your freedom is. So if that's you this morning, nobody's looking around. This is between you and the Spirit of God. But this morning, we are stopping the enemy from keeping us in that cage, locking us up and constantly poking us with that stick of remembrance. Remember what they did. Remember what they said. Don't you know how that made you feel? And he'll just keep prodding and keep zapping you. All of a sudden, you wake up 2 o'clock in the morning and, I can't believe he said that. That is enough. That is over. Sound sleep belongs to those who are his beloved. So if that is you this morning, I want to just encourage you, if you would just raise your hand, and the reason why, it's not so I can see, is so that the Spirit of God, this is my my yielding to you, Lord. I've been hurt. I've been impacted. I've been hit hard. And I'm, Lord, I'm coming to you. You are my healer. You are the restorer of my soul. And I come to you humbly this morning. So I see there's a few hands here. So Father, in the name of Jesus, as these hands are being lifted up, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you live strong and mighty on the inside of these people. Your house, your temple. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we command those poisonous darts that were directly aimed at you be sucked out now in Jesus' name. You know, if you're standing beside somebody that has their hand up, can you just put your hand on them for a moment? We are the body. We are the body. Well, just put your hand on them. Be bold on this. This, Your brother and sister, there's, being, there's an attack. What would you do if all of a sudden you saw a shark in the ocean and your friend was hanging out there? Man, get out. Come on, come on. You'd show that support. Well, the same way here. We have an unseen enemy who's looking to steal, kill, and destroy from this church family. That is enough. So again, now, Father, as we place hands on our brothers and sisters, Lord, we thank you that your healing power flows in. It flows deeply in. In the mighty name of Jesus, disintegrating those words and now impacting and changing the way that we think. Lord, thank you for restored hearts, restored souls, restored hearts and minds in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you have your hand raised up, I want you to say this out loud with your hand in the air. Heavenly Father, I choose to forgive I let it go. I drop that offense. 
I make a decision today. I draw a line in the sand and I step over. I choose to forgive because I've been forgiven. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, help me as I move forward that when the enemy tries to prod, I'll remember this moment and I choose to forgive. Even if they don't say anything, even if they don't, if they choose not to reconcile, I choose to forgive. Come on, I think we got to say that a few times. I choose to forgive. This is the most powerful thing about you that Satan hates is your ability to choose. I'm done living under the trap of the enemy. I'm done allowing small, minute things to throw me off. I choose to forgive and I choose to live an unoffendable life. You know, the psalmist said, those who love your word, they will by no means be offended. You can just fall in love with the word of God and that word will guard you. It will protect you from all the traps and the lies of the enemy. So this morning, Life Church, you're free. Be released. Take a deep breath. (sighs) Let that weight off. It doesn't belong to a child of God. You have no business about it. So now every time that thought comes, go, devil, no, 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 I just found you. Stop. In Jesus' name, get out. I've chosen to forgive. You cannot combat thoughts with thoughts. When a thought comes, you take your ground and say, enough. I've chosen to forgive. I let it go. Woo. And now watch the vision. Watch the purposes. Watch the plan of God go forward. You know, I'm about five minutes over time here. But the last thing I want to say is there is three things. I know the Lord even said this to me in my earlier days. Three people that you never want to be offended with. God, your pastors, and your spouse. Don't allow that in. God, your pastors, your leaders, and your spouse. It's not worth it. So Lord, over the marriages right now, we cast that to you and we just say, Lord, we choose to forgive. I'm unoffendable. Even if my wife says I look fat in that, I choose to live an unoffendable life. (laughs) Amen. All right, Pastor Josh, I'll give it to you, sir. Thank you, everyone, for having me this morning. Thank you. Let's honor Pastor Joel, yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.